0: you're listening to. I mean, can we discuss? And I am your host Astrid Ferguson. We will be discussing different issues that can be debated, articulated, chopped up any kind of way. There's no real set way to this. It could be culturally, it could be socially, it could just be how we're feeling today. So you're here for the randomness and I hope you're here to stay. So remember to subscribe, share and tell me what you think. new episode of I Mean Can We Discuss and I am your host Astrid Ferguson and today I have the wonderful opportunity of interviewing Katie Burke. Hi Katie. Hi. Hi. It's wonderful to have you in the guest chair. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So why don't you tell us about you and any upcoming projects you might have.
1: Okay. Um, well, I am a writer and family law attorney, uh, living in San Francisco. I've been living here since 99, 1999 and, uh, an upcoming project that I'm working on. Um, I'm just actually starting to outline it, that I'm going to be working on soon here is, um, interviews with kids about COVID-19 and the coronavirus and, you know, how they're dealing with it and what they're having to give up and what they're learning um, and whether there's anything in it that they find meaningful or at all joyful. Uh, And I haven't decided whether that would be a column or another book or what it would be, but it feels like the next thing I need to write.
0: That's cool. Yeah. With the coronavirus, I'm sure I'd be interested in knowing what they have to say as well. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, I- I'm sorry, when you were saying 1999, a Prince song popped into my head.
1: 1999. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's how long I've been here.
0: Okay. So, Katie, you're saying that you're also a family attorney. But alongside that, you're also a columnist, right, for the family advocate on, um, is it NOE or No Valley Voice? It's for the NOE Valley Voice. Okay, NOE. So can you explain to us what that means? Um, you know, for those who may not know what a family advocate might be or what topics are shared in the NOE Valley Voice?
1: Yes, well, I'm a family law attorney with a law practice in San Francisco. Um, And for the Noe Valley Voice, I'm a columnist. So um, I think the word family advocate just was in one of my publicity materials, but um, I think that's from, they meant that as family law attorney. But um, the column is the Noe Valley Voice, and that is my interviews with kids who live in Noe Valley, which is a San Francisco neighborhood. And I write profiles about the kids. Um, based on my interviews with them, like I do in the book.
0: Okay, so it's like a, an extra place where people could read just like your upcoming book.
1: Yes. So for Urban Playground, it's all San Francisco kids. And then the Noe Valley Voice is just the Noe Valley neighborhood. And then the, the book is kids ages five to nine at the time of interview. And the Noe Valley Voice is more just if they live in Noe Valley. Okay. So what drove you to become uh, an
0: attorney in family practice?
1: Uh, That just kind of happened. I got a master's in counseling uh, before law school. And then I went to law school and was really sort of unaimed. But the first job I got out of law school was family law. And they said they liked my counseling and psychology background. Um, And then it just stuck. And I've been doing that since 2002. Okay, and do you enjoy it? I do. Yeah, I do. It's very different from um the work I do in the book because for the practice for the most part I don't talk to kids. I I do work on behalf of a parent um you know who has custody issues and things like that, but I don't talk to the kids unless I take on a minors counsel case where I would represent the child um which I haven't done in several years. Okay. So when you say your upcoming
0: book, that is the urban playground, right? What kids say about living in San
1: Francisco? That's right.
0: Okay. So why did you choose to tell this story from like, a a child's point of view in the Bay Area?
1: I had written about living in San Francisco, Um, I'd been writing about that topic, probably since 2004. And then in the few years before I wrote the book, I started writing a family project for my six nieces and two nephews, where I um, told family stories, and kind of other sorts of stories. And when my publisher, you know, now she's my publisher, but I was working with her on just um, like book coaching or writing coaching, actually, when she put together um, that I had been writing about the city and that I had been writing about kids, she said, oh, you should do a book where you write about kids in cities. So the book originally was kids in U.S. cities. And I interviewed kids in cities around the U.S., about 65 kids. And then they decided to change it to San Francisco since I had lived here for 20 years. Um, So that's, that's how it became about San Francisco kids.
0: Okay, so what are you hoping that readers are going to gain from these stories?
1: I hope it'll be an opportunity for kids to talk with their significant adults about um, other kids experiences. And then through the questions that follow each of the profiles that they will Be able to talk to each other about um, the child's own experience of whatever, you know, if the kid was talking about something they're going through in school, for example, and there will be questions following that profile about school, then it'll open up conversations um, with kids and parents or whatever other significant adults are in their lives um, about their school experiences or, you know, whatever the topic may be.
0: Okay, so trying to open some dialogue between parents and, and children, um, which is always interesting. I'm a parent myself, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's hard to have a civil conversation sometimes when they go all around the block with questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's, it's interesting to take that uh, approach. So, what do you enjoy most about writing these stories?
1: I really like to bring kids' voices out. I like to bring out their experiences um, because I think they often you know um, get overlooked in the sense of um, especially right now with the stress of coronavirus and and staying at home and now every parent is becoming a teacher and Um, there's a lot of, you know, making sure the kids are okay and they have their needs met and physically they're fine and they're safe and healthy. Um, but I think often, especially in big families, but just in general, I think kids can, um, you know, they're really, they're, they're wide open lives and stories. There's not always a lot of time to pull those out. So I really love to, you know, find out what they're interested in and what they're thinking about and then give voice to that.
0: okay cool you have a passion for it Mm -hmm. um so why do you feel these stories are important today
1: uh i think definitely in terms of this global pandemic um it just is important to hear what they have to say which is why i want to next you know talk specifically with them about this topic um of the pandemic but um I think because there's just a lot of stress, there's a lot of grief in the world right now. And it's important that kids have, you know, A, something else to focus on because I wrote the book before the pandemic. So it's not about that at all. Um, But also to just be able to connect with other kids in other places. You know, they're reading about kids in San Francisco. And um, so I think it's really important right now to have, something that feels kind of fun and interesting and connecting in a time when we are all, but you know, for safety reasons, for health reasons, disconnecting.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth uh, distracting a little bit from the pandemic. I think there's been so much talk about it that um, either A, we're tired of it, or B, we're scared to death.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but when I think something that can get lost is, I, you know, I've heard a lot of my friends with kids say, well, you know, the kids are fine, they're happy because, you know, this reason or that, they get to watch TV, they get to be with their parents, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I'm not so sure, you know, I think it's important to try to create as much normalcy and as much... Um, shelter from all of this while still, you know, still answering their questions that they have, but, but trying to give them something that's not about this, I think would be really helpful right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with you. Um, So take us back to the beginning, because before you moved to San Francisco, um, you taught creative writing in Kenya and South Africa.
1: That was actually after I had moved here. So I moved here in 99 and I went to Kenya the first time in 2009. Um, so I um, taught primary school kids um, in Nairobi. I taught them uh, creative writing and then I was there for a couple weeks. And then in 2010, I went to Cape town for a few months in our summer and their winter um, and taught high school kids creative writing um, and then went back to Nairobi to the same school I had worked in in 2009, went back there in December 2010 for a couple weeks.
0: Okay. And how did you like the experience?
1: I loved it. Um, It really, to me, it was really heart opening. Um, I was in a school in Kenya with kids. It was an unaccredited school in a slum called Kawangware and Um, they would every day when I came in, they would clap and cheer. And then later in the morning, I would pull out construction paper and markers and they would clap and cheer again. And the first couple days I couldn't figure out why they were clapping and cheering, but it was because they saw the construction paper and they were so excited that they were going to be able to work with construction paper and markers. And then when I started passing out one sheet to each of them, they clapped and cheered again. And, it just—it was such a, such a, um, such a stark contrast from my life here in terms of just the absolute gratitude for things that we have in such abundance. Um, that it just really touched my heart because things just meant so much, and they—they um, they, even with you know extreme poverty and health issues and all kinds of um, loss in their families they were just so joyful and so grateful, um, about things that, you know, kids here take for granted just because there's so much of it, um, in many communities here, certainly not in all communities. So it just, it really opened my eyes and my heart a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's always about
0: the little things in life. Um, sometimes pain and, poverty and a lot of, you know, uh, bad things that can happen in your life will make you realize how grateful you can be for those small moments of happiness. Right. Right. It's crazy how that works out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so what do you love most? about writing? I'm always interested in hearing this from authors.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love having a way to express, depending on what I'm writing, either express myself or express somebody else's story um, in a way that gives me time to think about it and to um, really use words carefully in a way that, I mean, some people are just such gifted speakers, but I always feel like I need to think if I'm going to speak and, you know, I, I I don't know how it's going to come out, but with writing, I love that I can make it the way I want it and say what I want to say, um, and be very conscientious about that. And, um, I just enjoy doing it, you know, not every day when I sit down, but definitely at some point in the process, every time I write, I do love it.
0: That's cool. Um, uh, it's different for every writer. Um, I know that's not on here, but, um, for your book, right. Um, would you evolve to like young adult or I don't know, even preschool, uh, books Do you see yourself would, going there?
1: Yeah, I would consider doing that. Um, Young adult, I mean, in the sense of I wouldn't change to fiction or anything like that. But but in terms of who my um, interview subjects would be, I would consider different age groups because, um, you know, often when I went to a home and interviewed a child, they would say like, oh, like her older sister wants to talk to you. And, um, you know, I went as young as five, so it would be hard to go younger in interviews. But. But yes, it would be interesting to talk to kids of different ages because even the difference between five and nine, which was my range, was enormous. I mean, they're just like different human beings between five and nine. You know, five was so uninhibited and it could take a while to get a good um, answer to a question because there's a lot of playtime. But what you did get was so unfiltered. And then nine was more sophisticated and had a lot more... um, detailed specific thoughts about any question I would ask. But then there was definitely more self consciousness around trying to answer the question they think I, you know, in the answer that they think I want kind of more of that sort of thing. So um, yeah, so I would definitely play around with different ages, because it would be fun to hear what middle school students would say or high school students. Okay, so you would stay mostly nonfiction. Yes. Yes. I love nonfiction. I really like to write nonfiction. I don't, I don't think I have one of those brains or if I do, it's like really repressed, like where, (laughs) (laughs) where I have characters in my head and, you know, it's more like I make characters out of, but they're still the true characters, but I can sort of put psychological aspects of someone together when I see them out in the world. But this idea of like a character living in my head that I didn't see somewhere, I don't have that. You never know.
0: There's something you never know. Some, it could
1: change. Yeah.
0: Some authors say, you know, it comes to them and boom, a story comes out. So yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: I'm I'm just always interested in that part whenever I speak to writers, because um, it's it's just, uh, it's interesting how each of us are different, you know, and unique in our own writing. Mm hmm. So what advice would you give to any writers trying to find their voice or seeking publication today?
1: Oh, I would say it's so when, whenever I would hear this advice, I always kind of thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't really want to follow it. And then I ended up, I did follow it, but um, is that they have to write like you have to write. It's, it's what I did when I was a new writer And I see a lot of new writers do it when I teach people writing is the first thing they want to know is where they can publish, or they don't want to start something in case it doesn't get published. But what I've found over, you know, I've been writing since 2004, um, over all these years is that it's only the thing you start that can lead you to the thing you end with, whether the, whether what you start is the same thing as whether you, what you end with almost doesn't matter, but when you're trying to think first of like what would i write and who would accept it you don't really ha- you don't have anything for anyone to accept so i've found you know my greatest success in writing has always come when i just did it and um it's the it's unglamorous advice because there's so much work involved it's not always fun you have to work on saturday and sunday and you know and you just you have to get it done and you're not getting paid for it in advance usually Um, so it's not the advice anyone wants to hear, but it's the only thing that's worked for me is just to keep, to really, really, really have to love the writing part. Um, if you want to get to the publication part.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think the amount of time that you dedicate might vary per person, right? Um, maybe you need breaks in between to love the writing because you're stressing yourself out. Maybe
1: not, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the other thing. I mean, in terms of when people have this, like, Oh, it's best to do it in the morning or it's best to do it this or whatever. Those things I've never found. Um, I mean, I always love hearing how people do it because it gives me something to relate to or compare to, but there's definitely not a formula for, you know, when to do it or how to do it in what room or, you know, anything like that. It's like, you got to go with your body's natural rhythms. Right. Or doing it every day. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, forget that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I can't do it every day.
1: No, I can't either. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Break sometimes longer breaks. Uh, you know, sometimes you take a couple months and then it's like, Oh, I really miss it. And then it comes back.
1: Right. I mean, that's what I find. Like once you've been writing for years, you come to recognize the latency periods and they don't freak you out anymore because it's like, oh, that's just what I'm in right now. Like right now is not a time for writing. But I think most of us who write have a pretty strong sense inside that we're probably lifelong writers. I mean, maybe we'd wake up one day and say, well, that's enough. But I think for the most part, it's like it just comes and goes, but it's always going to be with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. Yeah, and breezing through those questions. (laughs) (laughs) So how can anyone find you to stay in touch with you or keep up with you? I know it's kind of tricky with everything going on with COVID, and I'm pretty sure it messed up maybe even some book signings you may have had coming up.
1: For now, thankfully, they've been postponed and not canceled. So we'll just see when it makes sense to get out in the world and do them. But um, yes, people can go to my website, which is www.katieburkeauthor.com, K-A-T-I-E-B-U-R-K-E author.com. And um, if they want to send me an email, they can write to katie at com. K-A-T-I-E at K-A-T-I-E-B-U-R-K-E-A-U-T-H-O-R.com. com.
0: Okay. And there you have it, guys. Now don't go emailing Katie about your custody issues. That is different. <laughs> only for, yeah, thank you. <laughs> only for reading material and um, you know, if you want to keep up with her because you thank will get you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: glad you thought of that. Thank you. Thank
0: you so much, Katie. I hope you're staying safe out there and your family is doing well. And um, I'm glad you decided to uh, come on the podcast.
1: I am too. Thank you, Astrid. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: And that was a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening to, I mean can we discuss? Don't forget to subscribe, follow us if you want to see what we're up to, what projects we're up to, and enjoy the rest of your day, night, wherever you might be. I was your host, Asher Ferguson, signing off.